How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. You're here with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronald. Ronald, down there in the Lofelt, how's it going? Yeah, it's very slow in the Lofelt. The slow felt I've heard, often referred to. Is that only when you go home, or is that the general term for it? Sorry, I suppose you're opening something about PC. I wasn't listening to the rubbish you were rambling. Yeah, a bit of a blue Monday this side for me, Ronnie. As you know, I had the opportunity to come with to join you in France for the quarterfinals. But uh, tripped through Marseille and Lyon and back and forth 32 hours in flight for 38 hours in Marseille was a little bit hectic. Fortunately, you're going to have to enjoy that game without me. I hope you'll have a beer on my behalf. Finally, I'm, uh, finally I'm going to be able to enjoy it. Is that so? Thanks, Ronald. Well, maybe I should come in and spoil the party anyway. Yeah, you're damn right you would be spoiling it. So, Ronnie, we had another action-packed weekend of rugby. It was very, very busy. I'm starting to get square eyes now. haven't missed a game yet, other than half of the Fiji vs. Wales game in round one. Yeah, my eyes are starting to look a little bit square. I don't know about yours. Yours have always been rather square, though. I, your eyes are square because you wear glasses for eyes. <laughs> That's not very nice, Ronald. You don't that's know, that's not nice a nice thing there. to say. I'd be offending a lot of our listeners. Yeah, exactly. And wait till you get your glasses. Play a bit of a wait till you get that. Yeah, I've got yeah. vision. It's almost your 40th birthday, and then, my friend, it's game yeah. over. Yes, okay. But for now, you were the one with glasses, so I'm going to capitalize on that. Make sure everybody knows that. Well, Ronnie, talking about wearing glasses and what we then get to see, uh, Uruguay getting a 36-26 win over Namibia. Bit of a closer contest than expected. I thought Uruguay would ultimately always win this one, but I thought it would have been a bit of a, a higher score in their favor. Maybe Namibia scoring a little bit less. Yeah, I think since Uruguay won their first game, not too many World Cups ago, you know, they've been... They've been steadily improving, and and you're right. We did expect them to come away with the win against Namibia, and I agree. I also thought that it would be a little bit more dominant than it perhaps was. Although I was really supporting Namibia, hoping that they could come away with their first win from the World Cup, because uh, yeah, it's nice to see. Yeah, it would have been lucky to see Namibia snatch up their first win, but I think they've had a pretty torrid World Cup, which has been quite unfortunate for our neighbours down here in South Africa. But Uruguay, they'll be definitely chuffed with this one but i think their biggest celebration from pool a will be the performance they managed to string together when they played france i thought that was that was a very good game from the guys from uruguay but ronnie this game set the tone for the whole week because there was such poor discipline so many high tackles so many cards and then it just as if that took off and was the theme for the whole weekend yeah, I'm hesitant to actually just go ahead and, and say that the discipline was so poor. And I really perhaps don't actually want to have a conversation about the officiating and cars and all of that, because I feel like that's all we ever talk about these days. And I'm not talking about this part, I'm talking about in general. That's every rugby fan, every game, there's just something controversial that comes out of it. Something that someone disagrees with and it tends to be around the officiating. It is unfortunate. I don't know what World Rugby is going to do about that, but I don't recall this being the case. Uh, 20 years ago maybe maybe i uh, maybe i'm wrong no it's definitely a new trend where we're seeing so many cards dished out but i don't know if that's an officiating problem in the the specific sense where you're saying like this ref is being too strict or whatever i think it's more the change of laws has led to this many more cards and maybe the refs more inclined to give the yellow now that they know they're going to review they don't have to make the tough decision and avoid a red so why not take the least comparable option and hand out a yellow? Do you think that's something that the refs are maybe leaning towards? 
Yeah, um, sorry, I did space out while you were talking there because in my mind, I think that uh, a card should be given for for you know, cyn- cynical play. It should be given for malicious intent. And very rarely is malicious intent something in rugby. I think if there's a punch thrown, that's, that's very malicious. Sure, it should be carded accordingly. We seem to be handing out a lot of cards for it. Well, in mo- most of the cards these days seem to be given for accidental rugby incidents. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like you say, a rugby incident, something that's unavoidable. It's momentum, it's science, mathematics, and boom, there you go. It's a head contact, but completely unintentional. Yeah, completely unintentional. If 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 Quibus Reinach, if some of the stars of Quibus Reinach ran into given it's a bit, you know, three out of three out of four collisions would uh, would result in Ibn Itzabeth getting a, a card. Yeah. No, it's definitely something that World Rugby needs to address because, yes, commendable protecting the head and, and all of that, but you've got the potential now of spoiling contests when you've seen up to three cards at once for one team for exactly as you put it, Ronnie, rugby incidents. But like you say, let's not dwell too much on the officiating. We want to talk about the actual rugby that was on display. Japan getting a 28-22 win over Samoa. I backed Samoa on Superbrew. I thought they were going to do it. Japan disappointing me a little bit in the lead up to this game. What did you think before kickoff, Ronald? No, agreed. I also backed Samoa in this one. I just thought that Japan's Japan has been a little bit disappointing. We've said this before in 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 a couple of episodes that Japan's been probably the most disappointing team in the last World Cup cycle. They just, you know, in 2015, there was a certain uh, team that they beat. Uh, we won't go back there. And in 2019, they did exceptionally well getting to the quarters. And, you know, you just expected them to go up and, and they seem to have plateaued a bit and stagnated and come off and come into the cycle very, very impressive, impressively. And, and the reality is I back Samoa. I thought that the Pacific Island nations have shown that if they are together for a couple of weeks, there's a little bit of consistency and they get a bit of time together. They seem to just, you know, get a lot, get exponentially better. And so I expected to Samoa to actually come away with the win. But look, sometimes you overthink it. Sometimes you just have to go back to, you know, Japan is no longer a tier two nation and you, you should expect a tier one nation like Japan to beat Samoa. No, definitely. I think Japan also benefiting. And again, this comes down to a card to Ben Lam. He was red carded. They had to play about 30 minutes with a man short. He's now been given a three-match ban for that hit. But this game really was one of size versus pace. You had the Samoan size. They were trying to bully them, trying to keep it tight, trying to go from set piece to set piece. And on the inverse, you had Japan who were really trying to speed the game up. They were trying to trying to run it wide. And ultimately, that paid off when Ben Lam, the winger, was taken off the field. Japan suddenly had that bit of space that they were looking for, seeing them come away with a win. And it, I mean, it leaves them in a place now to contest for a quarterfinal berth in the last fixture. Talk about Japan. Japan, yes, correct. A game that really caught me by surprise because I'd been joking a little bit with Dan from uh, Short Ball Rugby about uh, the All Blacks losing this game to Italy. Um, obviously, not real thought I had, but the potential was always there. Apparently no one told the All Blacks though, because they came out and handed Italy a 96-17 defeat. What big game. 14 tries. Yeah, I think I said this to one of my, I said this to a friend of mine, and I said, the All Blacks, the All Blacks have been strong for many years, for two decades. 
they've been a dominant team in world rugby they've set the bar and everyone else has been uh, trailing behind them they haven't been playing very well recently or they they haven't been playing as well as they have in the in the years years gone uh, i do not want to be standing in front of them when they come right and i felt like they came right against italy they stepped no, they it up came to the right, whole new they level left they went up the middle <laughs> they sorted yeah. these italians out i mean they the italians really didn't know what to do with this all blacks team absolutely they went to a whole new gear and uh, i'd be very nervous playing them in the quarters yeah i mean aaron smith having a phenomenal game he got a hat trick in the first half but ronnie we've spoken a lot over the last two years of this podcast about how impressed we've been with the culture that italy's building you know it's a young side we've spoken about that but They've really put on some good performances. They've racked up wins over uh, Australia last year, Wales. And do you think a annihilation like this, to put it maybe lightly, killed off the progress that they've made? No, no, definitely. It may have killed a little bit of momentum, sure, but it's not. The progress isn't all all, all gone now. Uh, you know, it takes it takes a lot of games to run up and build progress and build momentum. Yes, you can break some of it a little bit along the way. You're not going to win everything. But yeah, Italy's come a long way now, and I expect them to improve as the months and years go on. Yeah, it's tough for the Italians because when the All Blacks are in the mood to hand someone a, a heavy defeat, it's it's going to take a lot of stopping. But immediately after this, I noticed on all our social platforms, the call to axe Italy from the Six Nations was immediately present again. Calls for the Springboks and Georgia. Georgia also not really making a good case for that berth in the Six Nations. So yeah, Italy really struggling. They're going to have to turn around. But surprisingly, also still in with a shot at the playoffs, which we'll get onto a little bit later. What did you make of Adi Sevilla, Ronnie? Definitely the best eight out there at the moment. I've always been a fan of Adi Sevilla. I know that we've got some friends over in New Zealand that have not been too happy with Adi over the years and do not enjoy when he's captaining the All Blacks or when he's starting for the team. But I've always liked Adi, and I think he is he's a very humble player. He plays, puts his, you know, he, he always gives it everything he's got on the field. And look, he was he was an absolute uh, champion against Italy. No, absolutely. Then some interesting comments from old Ian Foster. Fuzzy coming out and saying, you know, he'd rather watch a contest like this between the All Blacks and Italy, which is free-flowing, high-paced game, versus what was dished up between the Springboks and Ireland. And then Rassi in his now renowned fashion coming out with the stats. Only four minutes more ball in play in the All Blacks versus Italy game. And I'm sorry, but I don't think there's a rugby four minutes. neutral alive that would rather watch the All Blacks smack Italy around versus what we saw between Ireland and the box. I actually thought it was two minutes more, but sure, if you say, even four minutes is not that much. But you're absolutely right. I think Ian Foster didn't do his research before making that comment. No, not at all speaking off the cuff. And he got cuffed for it by Rossi. <laughs> Ronnie, over to your boys then. Big Gus Creevy had a good performance. I heard he popped you a lack of WhatsApp before that one. Some cool pictures of the change room before kickoff. But he led the side out into a big 59-5 win over Chile. Yeah, very first South, first South American affair at the at the Rugby World Cup, so that was good to see. Very exciting to see, and a lot of passion in there. I saw a lot of tears from both sides as they sang their national anthem. I think the Chilean national anthem must be the longest national anthem I've ever come across. So that that, that thing is takes forever. But yeah, well that to Argentina, they stepped it up back to to what we expected from them. They haven't been too impressive in, in previous games, but look, well done to them now. Yeah, definitely well done to them. It was a win that they needed. 
you know, they're still shrugging off that first round loss against England where they played exceptionally badly. But it was an experienced side put out by Los Pumas. You know, they came into the game knowing that they needed that bonus point, knowing that they needed to make a statement. They did rotate, but rotated many of the senior side into the game. Fakunda Issa, for me, putting in a huge shift at the back of the scrum. He had a good performance and great to see him getting back to his best. For sure, that big unit. Well, that also leaves them in playoff contention, which we'll address shortly. But before that, we'll hop over. Fiji getting a very narrow 17-12 win over Georgia. I went much higher on Super Brew, Ronnie. What about you? Yeah, and I think that look, the Fijians and the, the Pacific Island nations, for sure, they are they they often play a very loose game, seven seven style sort of rugby. And like you say, their set pieces aren't always that that dominant. Whereas the Georgians, you know, you know, they should have a slogan on their shirt saying hashtag let's opt to scrum because they do love their set pieces and they do love their scrums. And, and this is a case of that. I think the Fijians, you know, they, they got a little bit frustrated. They started playing very loose. And I think that's where the Georgians really capitalized. But yeah, well done to the Georgians. I also thought it would be a bigger win. But yeah, it's, it wasn't to be. But it just goes to show Georgia is not a pushover team. Yes, I know you made a comment that they weren't as impressive as we expected them to be. But there's definitely a case for, for them to see more game time against Tier 1 nations. Absolutely. And you know what? On the other side of this as well, I think Fiji will have benefited gaining some experience from having to grind out a win. The Georgian set piece really showed up for the first time this World Cup, if, if you ask me. And the reason I say the Georgians aren't where we expected them to be is because we were actually jokingly putting forward maybe the Georgians exiting their pool for a quarterfinal hasn't materialized but they did show up Fiji still looking strong still looking good but it is if you can upset the Fijian set piece you're not they're not going to get that attacking back power away that they have and that's how you're going to shut them down so Fiji definitely still need to keep working on on the scrums the lineouts and and doing the hard work in the rucks Ronnie over to Scotland versus Romania these guys are in our pool so they got an 84 nil win over Romania which Ronnie means Romania only scored points against Ireland. <laughs> I did not know that. That's, uh, yeah, that's quite funny. Eight of them. But yeah, very impressive well, from Scotland. They racked up 12 tries. 13 changes made to the Scotland team that played against us and against Tonga. So, you know, experimenting a lot. But a player I want to just chat about, Ronnie, is Darcy Graham. So we've seen Duan and Darcy play. We've seen Duan and uh, Carl Stain play. And you look at this, it seems as if Townsend's going for the South African bulk out wide. You know, he's looking for the big rampaging winger. But then you've got Darcy Graham, who's actually extremely fleet-footed. He's really, really good. More in the shape of a Cheslin Colby. Are they making a mistake now by backing Carlstein? Because Darcy got four tries in this game. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to it than just a single performance in a single game. Look, both both Carlstein and Darcy Graham have been uh, in good form. Right, but it comes down to what happens in the practice, right? So uh, there's always the case of you see something happen in in a game, and then all the fans are up and arms saying, "Oh, see, I told you, you should be playing certain, uh, you know, a certain player over another." The reality is, back in the back at the ranch, there could be a whole different picture in practice. But look, I agree. I would start Darcy Graham. It's not just this game where he's performed uh, as a world class winger, electric winger. Also, a good performance from Hamish Watson. He's having fallen down the pecking order a little bit, be that as it may. 
good to see him out there making his tackles, getting involved and making a case for selection for the next fixture where they face Ireland. Then I think Amy Schwachan is an excellent, excellent player. Sorry, I, I just want to, because he's one of, he's with that mullet of his, he's just one of my favorite players uh, of all time. So really, I hope that he goes, goes long, he goes far and he does really well. Yeah, there we go. Ronnie, then on to the most disappointing performance of the Rugby World Cup, if you ask me. And that was a Wallaby. If you're Australian. Yeah. To say again? If you're Australian, not if you're Portuguese. Yeah, true, true. Well, 34-14 win for the Wallabies over Portugal. Two disallowed tries from Portugal there could have made this a very different ball game. And I'm going to say it here and now. Portugal is the team that's impressed me the most out of all the Tier 2 nations at this World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a very young Flahoff, which impresses me quite a bit. I mean, I think he's 22 years old and he plays really well and uh, showed good patience. There was a bit of a, a ping-pong battle, a kicking a battle in, in the middle of the game there where he held, where he remained patient. And, you know, he, he kicked the ball back and the ball was kicked to him and he kicked the ball back and he slowly but surely he he, he remained patient and then he, he gained a couple of meters and ultimately in that in that battle and i agree portugal very impressive see victor matfield spent some time over there so he he's obviously big influence yeah well let's be honest you're not gonna outkick a portuguese player that's grown up watching cristiano ronaldo play soccer that's all they know (laughs) but yeah you're right victor matfield was there as a lineout consultant prior to the world cup kicking off so great to see some of the big names getting involved there but what i like most about portugal is it seems to me that they've come out and said Look, we're not the biggest. We don't have a big pack, but we can run the ball. And we saw them doing it from deep, saw them trying some variations, some good lines they had on attack. And it was great to see that they really backed themselves in those instances. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching the Portuguese play. The line-out try that they scored against Wales earlier in the tournament, also great variation, trying something out. And I've thoroughly enjoyed what they've brought to the World Cup. Ronnie, we have to give a shout-out to old Pantoffel. James Slipper, breaking George Gregan's <laughs> record for the 21 World Cup appearances for the Wallabies. So shout out there, Pantoffel, well done. <laughs> well done, Pantoffel. Yeah. <laughs> so the funny thing of this game is that now the Wallabies are relying on Portugal to beat Fiji in order for them to qualify for the playoffs, Ronald. Yeah, which, look, uh, yeah, that's a tough ask. For Fiji not even to get a single point out of that game. So, yeah. Sorry, uh, but the Wallabies may have to, might as well just get the tickets back to Sydney. No, I do agree with you there, Ronnie. Now, back to an officiating thing, because I think it needs to be spoken about. Is Samu Karevi's elbow handoff to the face of the Portuguese inside centre? Red card? Not a red yeah, card, Ronnie. No, I see. I don't know about these things. I, I, I actually, um, when, when I saw this on the agenda today, I kind of just said, I don't actually want to talk about it. I'm, kind of fed up with the discussing the officiatings and all that. But yeah, look, I think it is a bit difficult because you're allowed to hand off, but you you can't obviously punch someone. But you can have a very aggressive handoff. But you also can't lead with your elbow. But you can also, when running, drop your shoulder and try and bounce someone. I mean, there's just too many gray area, too much gray area when it comes to being a ball carrier and the collision. You see, that's actually the reason I put this one in, because I reckon that the Karevi incident goes outside of being a rugby incident into actually something that's a little bit malicious. If you watch him, he saw where the guy was. He led with the elbow. 
it wasn't that he was trying to bounce and the guy adjusted his height and he slipped or whatever. This for me was one of the few incidents where you actually say, you know what, this is a cardable offense. This is something that you go off for. Not where a guy's falling and he hits another guy's shoulder slightly on the bottom of the jaw. You know, this, this for me was a cardable offense. Yeah, but when you're running at someone and you did it, there's definitely, it's a photo of you. I've seen it before. You're running with a ball in hand and you're dropping your shoulder as you're going into contact. I mean, is that yeah, the same as putting your elbow out too? Yeah, but when they're leading with your shoulder. Better than an elbow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, schematics, Ronnie, schematics. Then over to our game from the weekend, and I'm sure the one all the listeners are waiting to hear us discuss. Springboks getting a 49-18 win over Tonga. Tonga putting up one hell of a fight. And I think that comes back to what you said earlier, Ronnie, where the Pacific nations, once they've got a few games under the belt, really come into their own. And Tonga did just that, managing to score three tries against us. And we hadn't conceded more than two tries since the opening round of World Cup 2019 when we lost to the All Blacks in Japan. Yeah, I agree. I have huge respect for Tonga. They they fronted up. They were very physical, and I think they knew they had to be um, because they may not have been as technical to to match the Springboks, but the, they were extremely physical. And I would have honestly, I would have played. I don't know. I would have rather played the All Blacks than played Tonga if I was in the field because I think those guys are hurting a lot. No, for sure. And I mean, Ronnie, just pictures standing there. No matter what you do, if there's two meters between Ben Tamafuna and the try line, it's a try. There's no, like maybe after three or four meters, you can bring him down. But if Mifuna's got a bit of a run up and he comes at you with one to two meters, he's going to score. And he did score. Well, well, Dwight Vermeulen managed to stop him illegally, but he did manage to stop him. (laughs) But yeah, very impressive from Ben getting upwards of 50 minutes on the field is hugely impressive. He weighs 150 kilos plus. And it was quite a shock to me to see that the Bok Pack was about 60 kilos lighter than the Tongans. It was almost 90 kilos, uh, well, I saw. They were 962, and I think that might possibly be the biggest scrum in the game. I had a good chuckle when when, when Ben and Sia tried to swap jerseys at the end. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Ben didn't even try and put Sia's jersey on. I think no, he just he wore it like it a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, This is not going to work. No, I also had a good chuckle at that laughing afterwards, and Sia was wearing what looked like a... a a jersey, a football jersey. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was 21-8 at halftime. The box came agonizingly close to securing that bonus point before the half. Unfortunately, not getting there. And again, we're seeing from the box this penchant of getting into the 22, but struggling to finish off those opportunities. I think we did a lot better uh, in converting our, our visits to the 22 into points. We did better than against the island. But I do agree, it's still, there's still a lot of room for improvement with respect to that. You know, we spent a lot of time in the 22, working exceptionally hard, exerting a lot of energy and effort, and then, you know, not coming away with any reward. That's, that's, it sucks. No, it definitely sucks. And it's a huge energy sapper as well when that goes on. You know, it's tough going through the phases, going through the phases and getting no reward for it. Ronnie, just as we gave Pantoffel a shout-out, I think we have to give Captain Courageous Sia Khaleesi a big shout-out as well. Captain the box for the 50th time this time, or this past weekend. He is now the second most capped Springbok captain of all time. And as of today, Ronnie, Sia follows us on Instagram. So that was quite a cool one. 
very, very okay. thank you very much for that see really appreciate that but yeah so he's 50th who's who's the first is it john smith yeah john smith so great to see Sia getting up there and potentially got a few more games under the belt to go still. So great from great from a guy who's a great person and an epic captain of the box. But other leaders within the Springbok side, we saw a return for Andre Pollard. What did you make of Pollard's return, Ronnie? Yeah, he hasn't hasn't had much game time. It's been a it's been a long time since he's played a decent amount of rugby, especially for the box. I mean, it's been almost a year. So it's good to see him come back and not leave the field limping. You know, they gave him 50 minutes. I would have probably liked to have seen him uh, play a little bit more than 50 minutes, but I think maybe it's perhaps the correct thing to be a little bit cautious with his with his return. I enjoyed him coming back, but I think it is very challenging to really to really showcase your 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 skills and showcase your you know put a really good performance on when you play a team like Tonga, who's just going to disrupt you in 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 every which way. And you've got Ben being incredibly physical. You're just not getting good clean front football and that sucks for a fly half yeah i think he must get credit for standing up defensively because he had the tongans running his channel a number of times he did manage to make his tackles Pollard getting four out of four kicks at goal marnie then coming on and getting three from three so we got all seven kicks out of this fixture which was great to see i've seen comments coming out that Pollard's helped marnie a little bit with managing the shot clock to take some of that pressure off of him and we did see Marnie kicking with about 10 seconds left this time. So that adjustment seems to have been helping a little bit. Rassi coming out there and saying yeah. Marnie has been leading the back line for a while. Pollard's just rejoined them. He doesn't know if there's space for both of them in their team, but Marnie is their general. Indicating that it looks like they're going to go with Marnie for the playoffs. Ronnie, no thinking quick answer. Does Hundred Pollard start the quarterfinal? No. Marnie, does Hundre make it onto the bench? Well, it- yeah, I think there's space for him on the bench, sure. But, uh, you know, our whole team and our whole sort of strategy with respect to this team selection is, you know, we have utility play- players. If we want a 6-2 split, uh, or in the ridiculous cases, sometimes 7-1 split, we need utility backline players. And uh, is Andre Pollard a utility player? Well, technically, he can cover what Phillips is covering at the moment, 10, 12, and 15. I've, I haven't seen Pollard play 15, but yeah, sure. Okay. So I can, it, Look, I can imagine him playing inside center. I can't see him playing outside center, and I can see him playing flow. So, in, so 12 and 10, that's where I can see Pollard play. I don't know if I can see him playing at 15. Well, you've also got Kirtley Arnitzer that can offer you cover in there. But I think next week it'll be a great episode to debate this in, in depth a little bit ahead of the selections for the playoff stages. But three players, Ronnie, that really impressed me this weekend was first up, Kwaka Smith, immense when he came onto the field. He is a workhorse, absolute, absolute menace when he comes on. Then Kurbus Reinach. Kurbus Reinach, phenomenal, yes. absolute pace of a player. Has he made a case now for being our starting nine? Yes. He yeah. would start uh, He has to be our starting nine. Yeah, I agree. 100%. 100% he's, agree. he's the best nine. That's, look, I don't, we can talk about this for hours, I think. We can talk, but he just injects a sort of energy and and uh, intensity into the game that I that sometimes I feel we're lacking. Yes, Grant Williams is you know he's quick with his distribution. Yes, Faf got he's the defensive beast, but honestly, Kubus Reinach plays. He just plays like Faf on a good day. Yeah, Kubus Reinach is electric, and I think the pace he brings when you've got Marnie and Andre Esterhazen in a side is really an advantage yeah. 
Lastly, then Ronnie, your comments on Dion Fury at Hooker earning man of the match in his first start. Yeah, out. that that was a bit of a surprise. So I didn't think that. I was I was a little bit surprised when he got player of the match. I only saw that this morning. I didn't see that after the game, and I was like, "Wow, okay, well, um, maybe, yeah, he did he did play well, and he's well deserving. Scored scored some points, right? And what what can you ask from the guy? Look, I am still not convinced about our replacement throwing flanks. They <laughs> that whole situation brings me great discomfort. And I no, don't look, know I mean, that's that. I think if it came to a point where we had to rely on Mark Rufan Staden as an out and out two, you're going to see a Joseph Dweber called up because that's just too risky. It's just a third line option at this point. But are you comfortable with Dion Fariep being our second choice hooker? I honestly think it's better than Dweber because Dweber couldn't throw either. Dweber couldn't throw, right? But that, that shows you that we've got something lacking in the Springbok setup because we've never had, we've never been faced with this problem. We've just always had bulky and box. Yeah, uh, again, it's a Johan Krobelar. So, yeah, it's Johan Krobelar. Or if Angry Warthog himself is in good form, then maybe we should uh, go knocking there. Or Dweber, we should just fix Dweber's um, throwing and yeah, bring him in. But yeah, look, I think Dioferi, well done. He plays exceptionally well as a loose forward flanker and he gets his hand on the ball and he comes up with three black eyes every time, which is fantastic to see. I'd hate to play against him. He'll probably break your fingers in the ruck. No, for sure. For sure, Ronnie. So I guess we can say Fariz a jolly good fellow. Will you give us the Super Brew update? Okay, so Super Brew. Let's get to the Super Brew page. Uh, we had a break in communication. So in third place, Nicholas, we've got uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. I'll give uh, you that one. Uh, we know you're third from the bottom. So, good joke. So in third place, we've got John uh, 44 on 40.5 points. In second place, we've got the man seventy-eight, who's on forty point seven five points. Man, and then uh, the man uh, seventy-eight, and then in first place, we've got Gareth. Lapping, uh, so Gareth. well done, Gareth. Gareth's also on forty point seven five points, but there's still a lot to go. And I know you keep making me read out these super group, but look, the fat lady has hasn't even started warming up yet. Yeah, the fat lady has not started warming up yet. But if you fall any further behind, Ronnie, you're not even going to be around when the fat lady starts to sing. We must give Um Harry a shout out. He's twenty third in the punted pool, so he's doing very very. Is he twenty third? Twenty third, almost cracking okay. the top top twenty there, and I'm sure he's gunning for a place right up there. I fell down to the five hundreds now, though. After this weekend, I backed Samoa. That one hurt me quite a bit, and I'm down to the five hundreds. Running year three thousand one hundred eighty nine. <laughs> That's a load of rubbish. Third that from the is bottom. a load of rubbish. That's a load of rubbish. <laughs> Uh, okay, but honestly, I was a little bit impressed that when Harry actually mentioned made made a comment on the podcast or made a comment of the podcast uh, in this week. If he's listening, I have a question for him. I want to know why scrum halves aren't doing the on the traditional dive pass like they used to, because he's he's an old scrummy, having having played a little bit for the, the Lions Rugby Union. So I want to know why scrum halves aren't doing the traditional dive pass anymore. Yeah, well, um, Harry, you can definitely let us know, and we can have a bit of a chat about that. We, we, we should even get him on here so he can he can let us know about all of this. But Ronnie, we have started the URC pool. That's already over a thousand two hundred brews in that one. So thanks guys for joining us. Oh, the, the Irk has started again. Yeah, oh, the Irk is back. So the pool code for that one is Wimp Minor. That's W I M P M Y N A. So that's basically what you are, Ronnie. Sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> 
All right, Ronald. Well, we now are going to jump over to preview of the next round of the World Cup. That's the final weekend of pool play. But before we do, Ronnie, let's just take a quick glance at the standings in the pool. Top three in each pool that can all still make it through. Yeah, so in uh, pool A, we've got France and New Zealand in one and two. So they're in 13 and 10 points respectively. Italy's in third place, also on 10 points. They stand an outside chance of making it through. But so theoretically, I think Italy it's... could knock either of France yeah, or yeah. Zealand out the World Cup this weekend. Math- mathematically, it's possible. So let's just, let's just have a see. Well, right now, it's France and New Zealand, the top yeah. two. I'm going to come back to Pool B in a moment, but we'll jump to Pool C. In first place, Wales. In second place, currently, we've got Australia. Now, Fiji has to play Portugal. So Fiji, if they get a single point out of the the, Portu- the game against Portugal, they will be second on the log. Yeah, so, okay, so they, they lose by seven or less. Fiji qualifiers are out. Or score four, four tries. Or score four tries, yeah. So I was pretty much hanging on to... to threads or by their fingertips hoping that Portugal's going to get one over on Fiji they're all but out of the World Cup and how impressive is it that Wales a team we were quite uncertain of in the lead up to the World Cup already have qualified to the next stage yeah but does that just mean that for the top team in in, in pool C it was very competitive yeah or it means that Warren Ball still works Warren Ball yeah that's what they call it. Yeah. I've never heard that. Ronnie, what about Pool D? The one that's never had a World uh, Cup pool... winner. <laughs> so, again, Pool D, right? So, yeah, you've got England in, in, in top spot on 14 points. Five points behind them is Argentina and Japan. So, Argentina and Japan, like you mentioned, they've got a game that's coming up that's that's going to be very important for both both of them. Yeah, uh, but Samoa doesn't seem to stand a chance. Yeah, so... Theoretically, whoever wins out of that game gets the spoils, goes through under England for the playoff stages. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Argent- even a, a draw would result in Argentina going through because they're better on the points difference. Yeah, well, there you go. Going to be a cracker game. That's all to play for in Pool D. Ronnie, I noticed you glanced over Pool B. That's our pool. I know it's quite a bit of chaos over there. Unless you're Russi, he seems to think that as long as Scotland win with eight points, Ireland's going home. That's what Rusty tweeted today. <laughs> yeah, look, so there's a lot of permutations that I've done and I find this very interesting. So I also sat last night and I actually got off. I was four, four points off on the margin. Otherwise, my permutations were pretty accurate too. But I'll give the credit to is it Kevin Miller. Yeah, Rusty even retweeted it. But anyway, so... In top spot currently in Pool B, you've got South Africa on 15 points. In second place, you've got Ireland, 14 points. And then you've got Scotland with 10 points, third place. So all three of those teams can still go through. And theoretically, all three of those teams can, can, can get knocked out. That, that makes it very interesting. But to make, to simplify it, if Ireland in the game against Ireland and Scotland, if Ireland wins or there's a draw, then Ireland and South Africa go through in that order. And things get a little bit complicated if Scotland wins. If Scotland wins, they need to ensure that they prevent Ireland from getting any sort of bonus point because any sort of bonus point kind of cuts them out, out of the mark, unless Ireland themselves thrash Scotland by, what is that? Uh, yeah, by, say, more than five or more points, 
then, you know, Ireland, Ireland would actually get kicked out. So there's a lot of permutations. But South Africa can get kicked out under the following scenario. Scotland get five points from the game. Ireland get a single bonus point, And Scotland beats them by more than 21 points. Then South Africa doesn't go through to the quarterfinals. How unbelievable is that? Yeah, I think all the maths that you just threw out there, it's really what it's all about. But it's also proving that this really is the pool of death. You know, I think pool of death is obviously very relative. Like, uh, it's a pool of death for, you know, if you're in the pool, but if you are Australia, you could argue that that pool was the pool of death because you had to face a very strong Wales, a very strong Fiji, and, uh, you know, even Georgia was knocking on the door. So Shame, you're really stretching it to compliment the Wallabies there now, Ronnie. <laughs> Well, should we then take a preview of this weekend's fixtures? Some have quite a lot of meanings, not so much. But first up on Thursday at 9pm, that's New Zealand facing Uruguay. New Zealand on a massive wave having destroyed Italy. will be looking to do much of the same to the Uruguayans, I'm sure. Yeah, so this is difficult, right? So, I mean, we expect New Zealand, no disrespect to Uruguay, but we do expect New Zealand to give it a thrashing. Yeah, so probably uh, a good anyway, 60, 70 points. In at, le- at least 60, at least 60 points. But yeah, you're right. This could possibly go up to, maybe we could see even three figures. And I mean, it's New so. Zealand's last game before they're going to play in a quarterfinal. They're really going to put out a strong side to try fine-tune everything that they've got. It's going to be tough for the Uruguayans in this one. Friday, Ronnie is the last clash between France and Italy of Pool A. France also likely to go heavy into this one. Yeah, I, I agree. Probably a good uh, three scores probably in this for France. Yeah, so you don't expect the same blowout that the All Blacks achieved against the Italians. That was a once-off. <laughs> yeah, look, I I think, uh, for me, I have always maintained that the All Blacks are the All Blacks. You know, they've they've been in the doldrums a bit now for a couple of months, or maybe a year, but they are going to come back and they're going to, throw some punches and all blacks are stolen so i don't expect another blowout again all right then saturday we see the first one wales versus georgia what's your prediction for that one ronnie wales are probably going to win by maybe a score and a half maybe two scores that's that's what's going to happen yeah i have to agree with you there then we've got england versus samoa i think england will probably take this one by maybe around 12 points samoa probably going to put up a bit of a better fight but i think england have a bit of momentum on their side now. They'll pip this one. Then, mm-hmm. late game for Saturday, Ireland versus Scotland. What do you have for us there, Ronald? Ireland has to. We're gonna, I'm, I'm supporting Ireland. That's all I'm saying. I'm, supporting, I'm not looking for that scenario where South Africa ends at the top of the pool. That's just too risky for me. I don't think my heart will take it. But uh, <laughs> Ireland are going to win this one. And Ireland are going to win this one. Not by match, though, because Scotland's pretty damn well. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy, crazy game, this one on Saturday. I'm backing Ireland to win it by roughly 15 points, I would say, at the very least. Sunday, Ronnie, Japan versus Argentina. I think Japan had a good showing in their last outing, getting the win there, but I don't think Japan's put on enough to make me back them for this game. I'm going for Los Pumas by about eight points. Agreed. Los Pumas by eight points, but look, (laughs) Argentina can, can slip. Slip on the banana peel. Oh, very, very true. Then, Ronnie, we've got 5.45 on Sunday, Tonga versus Romania. What are you giving us for this game? Yeah, so I think Tonga, like I said, a couple of weeks in the camp together and they get really good. They get well-oiled. 
And uh, I think they're going to target this one to earn it back a little bit of respect, as I think that the Romanians are going to get punished. And I'm going to say Tonga by 18. There we go. I can't disagree with you there. Maybe even a little bit more for the Tongans. Then last game of the pool stages of Rugby World Cup 2023 sees Fiji taking on Portugal. We know the Wallabies will be praying for a Portuguese win in this one, but I'm backing Fiji to win about 24 points in their favour. Yeah, that sounds about right. 24 points. Can you believe that's already going to wrap up the group stages of this World Cup, Ronnie? I can't believe it. I actually feel like I've watched six months of rugby now. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be sad to say goodbye to some of these young Tier 2 nations that have really shown some enterprising rugby. Ronnie, last few things for us to chat about then. We've obviously seen now that Makazola Mpimpi has been ruled out of the remainder of the World Cup. This after his head clash with Augustine Pulu. He has a blowout fracture of his cheek, bone and eye socket. This has now led to the call back of Lucanio Amp. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, firstly, I want to say that I'm quite surprised with how bad he looked immediately after that collision. I mean, his whole face was swollen up. So that was quite surprising for me. Uh, secondly, I think Lucanio, fantastic. We all, kind of, I think we all panicked a bit when he wasn't selected in the squad, but Rossi then said, look, injuries happen. And he's most likely going to end up being there. And that's exactly what's transpired. So good to see Luke there. I enjoy Luke Lucanio a lot. So. I'm excited to have him in there, but the reality is he hasn't seen uh, game time in almost a month now, more than a month. So that's a bit concerning. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely concerning having Lucanio come in, not having had any game time. The box do have the advantage of 14 days almost lead up to the next fixture potentially, and they can integrate him back. The role he will play in the side remains to be seen. But you can't discount the experience and what he brings to the squad as a whole, just being part of it. One thing I do want to say, Ronnie, and it's it's a realization I've come to, and I think Rossi and Jacques and the whole Springbok management must be praised for it. And that was putting emotion aside, which is something not many coaches do when they selected their World Cup squad. And they said, you know what? We have to take 33 players to France. We're taking 33 fit players. I think they deserve praise for being able to select that and say you know what if we have to call these guys back in then that's that's what we'll have to do but the 33 we're taking could play again tomorrow no it's it's really good in, in the springbok camp if your coach or in any camp if your coach has got rules and sticks by it so that's very good to see yeah absolutely ronnie then uh, just an update on the dupont injury we've got facial fracture there as well he has rejoined the french side i've seen some footage of him doing some fitness drills but now he looks set to play in the quarterfinals wearing a mask of some sorts and a Lecter style. Yeah, <laughs> let's see what that mask looks like. But I think, and what my mom actually said this to me, and you know, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing against Dupont. I would feel worried that I would hurt him further. That if I made accidental contact to that face of his, that I would, you know, really hurt the guy. Could it not be dangerous to to his health and his life, really? Yep. I don't know how comfortable I am with, with them letting him play. Especially with the pressure Faf puts on the opposing nines around the, the rucks and the scrums. You know, he's really all over them. And it definitely will pose a risk. Then, Ronnie, a bit of disappointing news out of England. Another club facing liquidation that side whilst they're still splashing a pretty penny on, on Borthwick and firing Eddie and all of that. The Jersey Reds have now stopped participating in competitions. 
Really, really tragic what's going on there. Western Force getting the win over the Cheetahs in the Challenge Series. That's their first win of the, the four-match tournament, getting a 30-27 win over the Cheetahs down under. And yeah, and that's turned a game, 250,000 around a game. So well done to, to Force. And I think the Cheetahs is all also got some money out of it in the previous game. So well done. Yeah, so there we go. Stormers also, it's URC season. The Irk is around the corner. Stormers scoring 10 tries and a 64-26 win over SWD Eagles in a warm-up fixture. And then the most exciting news this week, Ronnie, potential return to the old-school tours between South Africa and New Zealand. So that would see the box going to New Zealand, playing three tests against the All Blacks, but also midweek fixtures against the Crusaders, the Blues, the Hurricanes, you know, something like that, and vice versa when they came here. Yeah, so... I'm not actually sure where I heard that as well. I read that somewhere in the media too and picked up on that. And I thought, wow, that could actually be very interesting, very enjoyable to see. But I don't know how that fits into the global calendar. Well, I think uh, this is as, as a result of the global calendar with the rugby championship potentially falling away during that season. This will be a chance for the teams to play each other on a, a traditional tour prep for that world tournament that is going to be discussed after the World Cup by all the, the unions. But... Does that mean we're going to have regular tours between South Africa and New Zealand as opposed to, you know, having regular tours against any tier one nation? I don't know. We'll have to remain to be seen. And I'm sure we'll give the listeners much more information on it when it comes about. But great to see that that is something that's in the talks, because I think that's a nice way to spice up that rivalry again. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, Please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it all, light the bry, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.